Matthew Hoppy and Hoppy's in for Schalke. Magnificent finish. Amina Reeks run meanwhile here. Looks for Hoppy again. Oh my word! You cannot write this kind of script. Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum einzigen Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. This is episode 123 of Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me, as always, on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this evening, man? Doing well. Had a nice uh, break from, from Schalke, which was... I mean, let's be honest. Much appreciated. We deserve uh, it. Yeah, I think I think I think all of us <laughs> deserved it for a little bit. Uh, got my uh, first dose of the vaccine today. We got uh, my Chicago Red Stars back in action this upcoming nice. Friday with the NWL Challenge Cup. So, uh, yeah, man, not a bad little uh, stretch of days here. How about you? Yeah, doing pretty well. Yeah, the weather's been nice. Been, I spent a lot of time outside this weekend. Uh, in the weekend before, it was nice to get away from Shaka, as you mentioned, watch a little Formula One. That's back in our lives, right? That's true, that's true. And then, uh, yeah, you know, you talk about you know uh, Chicago Red Stars. You know, my own DC United. Uh, they're kicking back in the action too. And so, you know, they reached out to me asking if I want to come back already. I'm like, ah, not quite yet. I'm not. Quite, I'm not quite there. I'll watch on TV, but maybe maybe in the middle of summer I'll come back. But uh, yeah, so it's nice. Things are starting to come back to normalcy somewhat. But uh, the weather's turning, which is always good. Um, I mean, we can't say that much about our club currently, but at least in our personal lives, things are going uh, better these days, right, Jack? 100%. We got some good weather in Chicago finally this past weekend for Easter weekend. Had the first cigar of the season. Yeah, good stuff, man. That's right. And uh, I got my new handle here. My hair's growing. My hair's getting longer and longer. I'm turning to Shaka Jesus here. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this, and I don't know why it just came up now, but I'm thinking about, you know, I haven't cut my hair since, I think, November or December 2019. And since I've been growing my hair out, my the t- Schalke hasn't been winning. I think I'm the one to blame. Yeah, but Richard just mentioned this for the first time pre-show, and I mean, I think it's self-explanatory. We all know whose fault it is now, and I think we might have to take some action about this. I don't know. I think I should just shave my head, and then we'll win the rest of the games, and still get relegated. I, I think you need to go like full, <laughs> full bald, like, and that might reverse the damage, and suddenly we'll get on a little bit of a winning streak. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, just shave it all off. I mean, I don't know if you have to go fully, fully that direction, but okay. <laughs> I'll figure something out, yeah. But I think starting to next season, I probably should go with a new hairstyle just for the club's sake. You know? I mean, going not, from not... Jesus to WWE is kind of a uh, drastic shift. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, 180, it's one, complete 180, yeah. whatever. So uh, a lot to talk about on the podcast tonight. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Schalke against Leverkusen. Uh, but let's start things off talking about uh, a one Mustafi. And we'll get into the lineups here in a minute. But uh, he was... Not visible, and not, not only in the turn 11, but not, also not on the bench. And it's probably more it's 100% because of his play on the pitch. 13 goals allowed in four games with him at center back. Jack, uh, are you surprised at all that he's been dropped from the team uh, as he has been? Yeah, actually. I'm, I'm surprised that he was dropped. I'm not surprised that. I'm not surprised with the run of form that has sort of justified him being dropped or caused it. Um, mm-hmm. But I am surprised that they would just kind of take him out of the squad entirely um, for that reason. But, I mean, obviously, Kermatsis is, is still trying to <laughs> tweak things and, and see what he can accomplish. And if he thinks that he's, he's better off without Mustafi, then it's uh, – I'm not going to argue with him right now because it's well-documented on this podcast. And it's kind of what we expected anyway. So, no, it's, I mean, it's not, not super surprising overall. I read a headline in uh, Talk Sport that said, uh, the once giants of Schalke – 
you knew that they were in desperate mode when they signed Mustafi. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, it's it, his play has been, we've talked about it many times on this podcast, how he's been making a lot of mistakes and a lot of goals going in. You know, some people say that he was part of the, the, the group that, you know, kind of got gross fired as well. Um, yeah, I guess maybe there's a falling out between him and Gramosi. So Gramosi, like you said, is just still tinkering with the lineups, trying to figure out what works best. We know that Malik Tiao has been playing pretty pretty well for us, uh, as has Timo Becker. But other than that, the, the defense has been pretty shambolic, honestly. So uh, it doesn't surprise me really too much to see Mustafi getting dropped as he was. I mean, obviously, it would be nice to have a healthy Salif Sané, and then we really have him back there with, with Malik Tiao or something. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it, what the, I guess the surprising thing to your to your credit was. He would just drop completely. It wasn't even in the bench or anything at all. I was I was more expecting him just to be on the bench and, and maybe come on as a sub appearance, but eh, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. So I mean, I guess we're moving on, and uh, you know, it gets us right into the Leverkusen match. Well, actually, oh, go, one please, other thing, please. The, the companion piece to that piece of news, which was also I think somewhat overlooked by the fan base, was William was also not in the squad. But that was for disciplinary reasons. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. Yet another player that we've been talking about recently, and then this. I mean, so I. I don't know. I don't know what went on there. Uh, I didn't get any either. I don't think there's been additional reporting that's, that's given us details on yeah. what was going on with that. But uh, just dif- disappointing to see like another another player. Like we've had, we, there's a couple players at the club that have had, you know, a, sort of a, a a resume of of disciplinary issues over the years, and it's it's disappointing to see that spread to somebody else um, who's kind of from a different club culture in the first place. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to Mustafi or or, or William getting back in the mix at some point this season if, if, if Gramatis feels like we, we need them. But those are two players that um, definitely have not been particularly good since they've joined the club or since he's taken over. I agree. Uh, and it's it, we've been talking about it week after week, especially with William, because he's really contributed nothing. Well, he, ha- he obviously has the technical ability. He doesn't have the pace. He's been at fault for a lot of defensive lapses, has not, not really contributed offensively with the, with the crosses like we had hoped. And so we were like, why is he still starting? You know, it, it didn't make any sense to us. And uh, I guess people finally started listening to the podcast and, and started uh, finally benched him, right? But, uh, you know, it was interesting, which, you know, which segues perfectly into the lineup uh, for Leverkusen, that we saw a younger wingback type uh, situation from Gramosis, which was nice to see in a way that we're, we're starting to see some more younger players. Um, looking at the lineup real quick, uh, Frederick Nov in goal. We went to back three of Malik Tiao, Benjamin Stambouli, uh, my doppelganger, not really, uh, and Timo Becker. And then we went with a midfield five. Uh, so in the middle, you had Mascarel, Kolasinac, and, and Serdar in the middle. But on the wings, you had Aidan and Chalanalu, uh, which was nice to see the youngsters with the pay- with a little bit of pace, hopefully some energy to you know keep going for the 90 minutes. And then up top, you had Harit, all led by Hunter. Hunter is back in our lives, Jack, officially, finally in the starting lineup. Uh, what were your thoughts on the starting lineup before the match began? Uh, I mean, the Mustafi news aside, you're not exactly filled with inspiration about Stambouli being your anchor in, in the center of that, <laughs> yeah. you know, back three. Um, but what are you going to do when you have, you know, as you, as you mentioned already, Salif Sané uh, injured, Nastasic as well. Uh, so certainly thin there. And if you're going to play that, you know, many people in that kind of role, you're, you're not going to have <laughs> too many options after a certain point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Malik Chow and, and Becker, as we've said for much of the season, have been two of the more impressive players, two of the more consistently good players that are also aren't usually the ones making the individual mistakes. Um, so I, I was be pleased to see both of them. Yeah, the, the, the wing-back pairing kind of there is, is very interesting. Uh, we've seen Shannon Ogley get, get a run on the side recently, but this is, I mean, a debut for Mehmet Chenayden, as far as I'm aware. Um, and, and to play a system that, like, I mean, both of those players would kind of be important to you getting forward. 
and, and to kind of put that confidence in those young guys. Um, you can argue about whether or not it worked out, but from a from a situational standpoint, I actually don't have an issue with that at all because, as we know, we're going down. It's not mathematically locked up yet, but we're going yeah. down. Yeah. Um, if there are players that you think, especially some of these young Canapich meter products, that are going to be um, have to be relied on next season in this fight of Bundesliga in that campaign because of the financial situation or what have you, or just the plain ability to, to attract talent to the club, um, then I think it's a good thing to get these guys, you know, running games here at the end to get them kind of in the mix so that, you know, next season they're not starting with those nerves and that fresh slate and they get some experience ahead of time. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And uh, I see Garrett is checking in from Facebook, uh, from all the way from Manitoba. Welcome to the show. Good to have you back on on, on the chat, uh, Garrett. So, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's true. That's interesting with the lineup that uh, we came out with to see, you know, obviously the confidence in trying to get the guys to uh, hopefully kickstart something offensively. Um, the first half really wasn't too friendly for us, Jack. Uh, we didn't look that great. I mean, the, the formation that Leverkusen came out was very mirror to us, 3-5-1-1 uh, to match our 3-5-2. Uh, but yeah, you know, looking overall the, at the at the stats in the, in the first half, we I think well, I think one one shot on target in the first half. I mean, it was all Leverkusen. Um, they had some opportunities. Obviously, they would get a goal in the 26th minute. I think it was a pretty nice goal overall. You got to give them credit for that. Um, obviously, poor defense helps with that. But uh, I forget who gets out wide left. Nice, nice curling pass around the defense, and you know, Alario uh, jumping on the on the on the on the ball right in front of the goal. Um, you know, you could say that maybe Renov could have done better with you know getting that crossing in, or maybe one of the defenders. But the pass is good. The goal, you know, went in. Uh, I guess they hinted at maybe offsides. It was it wasn't offsides at all. Uh, so one nothing, just like that. Luckily, it was only one nothing for that first half. But what was your assessment on that first half? Yeah, I thought it was, I think I would view it slightly more positively than you did. Um, I mean, not a, not a ton to be excited about. Um, I, I will say that we had one of the better opportunities of the first half in in, in the uh, the headed opportunity near post from from Klaasian Huntelar. We saw I didn't get up the right hand side uh-huh. of the pitch. A uh, really nice through ball actually played by by Harit to him, and, and uh, I didn't kind of had a clever ball. Like he had some options to play it a little bit deeper in the box and he ended up kind of disguising that and going near post and difficult anger for Huntelar to, to do something with but um that was one of our higher XG chances of the game um and uh that was I think within the first 10-15 minutes so not a bad start yeah. there um and then I guess the other thing I'd say is just that I, I do feel that um organizationally there seemed to be a little bit more coherence in terms of um ball pressure and support and how people some of our, our players were arriving at the same areas in a more coordinated fashion than they typically yeah. are and yeah. when you do that in numbers in the right positions it's a lot harder to pass out of it um as opposed to if somebody's two steps late you know sometimes that's enough of a window to exploit that and get by whatever pressure is coming i thought that was a slight improvement mm-hmm. um on that end and then to address the goal as you said uh yeah i mean as far as the goals that we've conceded go this season that's not one of the worst ones. Nope. I mean, that, that, nope. that's, it's, it's, it's almost kind of lucky in terms of how it starts off anyway because it, it's, it's a switch of play, and that ball almost like it wasn't intentionally crossed the way that it was. Um, and then Demerby picks it up, and uh, I mean, I, I think it was Iden that made the defensive mistake there, but it was a really kind of lucky momentum touch from Demerby to get himself open, and I don't think it was yeah. a particularly bad defensive mistake to let him by. And then really well-hit ball, and you could say that you know, Malik Chow's slow to react and lets his man get by him, but... I mean, even Alario still had to like slide to reach that thing. Yeah. And it was just, it was just, you know, pinpoint Correct. precision from Leverkusen and really well done. So, uh, not a goal that I was particularly upset with, you know, relative to the kind of things we've seen from this team. Exactly. No, I agree about that. And I think, you know, uh, you know, it was good for Aidan to find Huntelar on the, on that in the eleventh minute when in that play that you talked about the header. You see Huntelar with his classic um, uh, nose for goal. He knows the right spot to get to, and he, you know. It was a little hard for him to get down, but you tell, you know, he's right there right into the game right away. 
Um, I thought that the pressure about the, by the team, like to your to your credit, about the um, we were more in rhythm with each other at the same place at the same time. We were pressuring at the same time as well. We caused some turnovers uh, more in the second half, but also in the first half as well. Uh, so I mean, the fact is only one nothing. You know, going into halftime, I was pleasantly surprised by that by that scoreline too. It wasn't too many big defensive errors that really uh, let the game get away from us. Um, you know, in terms of statistics, in the second half, I thought we did better. Uh, we got a lot more shots off. I think we ended up with like six shots in the game. Um, overall, we started getting more opportunities. Huntelar would score a goal in the 58th minute. Um, offsides call. I mean, it was a great, nice goal by him. Uh, he, he wasn't offsides. It wasn't him. It was, uh, I think it was, who was on the, who was on the, was it Chalanolu or who was it? Uh, who, it was Harit, actually. Harit. So they were the one actually before the ball got to, to Huntelar that was offside. So you feel for Huntelar, but it was glad to see that he was involved in the game right there. Um, it looked like we, maybe we could get back into the game. And then, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes later or so, Patrick Schick, who came on for Alario, who scored a goal, uh, gets an opportunity in the 72nd minute, um, gets a shot off from distance, and he beat Frederick Renov. And that's a, that's a play, I think, if it was Schubert in goal or, or maybe Fairman when he was playing poorer, you'd expect that to go in. But now with Renov, with what he's been doing with some of the saves he's made this year, to let something, I thought that was a fairly weak goal to let in from that kind of distance, Jack. What are your thoughts on that goal by Patrick Schick? Well, it, it effectively took the steam out of the game for us at that point. I mean, I'll, I'll get to I'll get to Frederick Runov in a second. Uh, the one thing I did want to mention is uh, yet another Stambouli special, where once again the reason that ball is able to be played to Patrick Schick that through ball is because Stambouli sells out and and steps up aggressively, misses the pressure, and then there's a wide open gap in behind. That's probably at this. Where point, have I heard that before? Where have I heard the that before? seventh time? <laughs> that Schalke have conceded a goal in that exact situation because, I mean, I, I'm making this up, but like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was at least five specific goals that Stambouli doing that kind of a move has resulted in a, in a, in a goal being scored behind us. Um, and once again, if, if those are his defensive instructions in those situations to step, that's fine. But it consistently kills us, and so if coaches are telling him to do that, I'm frustrated with our coaching as well. Um, as for the Patrick Schick goal, uh, to give him credit, he hits it well. I mean, he hits it with, yeah. with a lot of power. A little yeah. bit early from an angle that maybe Runov wasn't quite expecting it yet, and it curls in. But yeah, I will say that it's not Roberto Carlos, though. Yeah, but I will. Say, yeah, he's he's on the left side, yeah. curling it. You know, left Away. to right. Kind of, yeah. So I mean, it's it's the curl is taking it closer to the keeper. It's not you know like an outside right. post kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, if you want to say that Runov could have done a little bit better on that, I'm I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, the one thing I did want to say about. The halftime subs, though, is is I think Gramatis actually made a very good halftime sub, which was yeah. he took off Chananoglu, who he was playing decent, pretty quiet though. To be fair, yeah. I mean, like I, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, his delivery, despite that that one ball, the Huntelar, uh, which was good, his delivery was actually pretty suspect. But at least he was popping up a lot more and, and involved. Yeah. And I felt like Chananoglu was a little bit out of the game, so they they, they took him off and, and put in Bosduan, and then they allowed Kolasinic to take over that wing back role. And that's when you really saw us getting dangerous because that's the kind of Zaya Kolasinic that we, that we were looking for that we saw yeah. you know, in his debut for Schalke this season and in a couple of those early games. And that's kind of fallen off. His ability to get forward and cause problems in that like left, left-hand area um, has, has been missing recently. And if, if we can find a way to, to get him there, you can see that it, it causes problems. Um, and that's where a lot of our, our danger came in, in the second half. So I thought that was a good sub. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunate that Huntelar wasn't able to – to uh, get that chance because it, it was it was a good play from Bosduan. It was a good play from Huntelar and and uh, I mean Harit. He was offside, but it wasn't an offside that gave him an advantage because right. he immediately came. You know what I mean? It, it was just kind of an unfortunate one that that was how it went down. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And that combination, it gave us a glimpse of what could be. Uh, and then the 81st minute, we would see the return, uh, finally a goal by Huntelar, uh, assisted by Boz Duan, the guy who came on at halftime, who kind of gave us a spark in that second half. And uh, yeah, got us, made it 2-1, made it, gave us a, a glimmer of a hope that maybe we could pull this one out with Huntelar. Um, obviously, we fell short 2-1, to one, but... What was nice about the game, not the scoreline, not how we play, how close it was, is that it was nice seeing a proper striker holding it up, creating opportunities. You saw from the get-go, like maybe the first five minutes of the game, how balls would come to him, he'd easily corral it and give it off right away and keep going. Or as a play that was called handball where chested right to hurry and, you know, it was a handball, but whatever. We've been missing that for a long, long time. And it's unfortunately it's a 37-year-old who's been doing it for us now. He actually looks relatively mobile for... He is. I, I don't know like what Ajax has done with his fitness, but I, I feel like for some reason when he left Schalke, he was looking like he was a little bit slower and, and maybe he just had injury troubles or whatever. He looked okay out there today. Yeah. Um, but what you say, I think, is is actually pretty accurate. And, and before before I say what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm not comparing these two players in terms of their overall quality. So, but okay. like an example I have of this is I got to see Thierry on replay in the MLS in, in in the states when he was with the New York Red Bulls. And I forget how old he was at that at that point in time, but he was kind of playing, you know, out of position, so in, in a role where he was a little bit less mobile. And despite at that age, just everything he did, you could tell the golf in class, just the technical ability, the small things. I mean, like all of that. And Huntelar today, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, his first touch, his shoulder checks, his, his slight body angle positioning when he's receiving the ball, those kind of things were all spot on. And then ultimately, he gets. He gets his goal, becomes Schalke's oldest goal scorer ever at 37. And um, it's, it's a finish that's just, I mean, he, he drifts off into a pocket of space, plays it off his chest, which is really smart, and then just a really calm and, and, and decisive finish. And it's, you watch that, and you're like, it's not that hard. No, exactly. It's really not that, it's really not that hard. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, come on. Like, and, like, Bosnian did brilliantly. He absolutely yeah, left top absolutely. of the head on that Oh, play. my gosh, and yes. It, yeah, so, I mean, great, great, great dribble to get himself into space and then a nice delivery. And you just watch a play like that, and you're like, I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult for us. I mean, like, once again, the quality in the team, the, the players are capable of scoring goals. It just hasn't happened this season enough. But, great. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of soul food that I think Schalke fans need. A little bit of an international break, come back, get a little Huntelar goal in a yeah. decent performance relative to what we've seen against the, you know, a solid opponent in Leverkusen. If this is how we're going to go out of the Bundesliga, performances like that, I'm a little bit more okay with, obviously, than the kind of things we've seen over the past you know, year, really. And to build on your Thierry, Thierry Henry comment, uh, and I, I, I agree with that. You know, I remember with me, my, my personal experience with Wayne Rooney when he came to DC United, and I, I got the season tickets there, and I got to see the same thing. You know, he came to the game and just a, a golfing class. You could tell he was a quality player, and he just, you know, distributed to the team and stuff like that. So I, I fully get what you're saying there with Thierry Henry. Um, yeah, you know, you know, even heard from the announcers how, you know, we are, what, 12 points behind, you know, the next place above us or, um, uh, the two teams that are above us. They're, they're way ahead of us right now. At this point, they got five more wins than us. Uh, it's really, it's really bad at this point. But you know, relegation is, it's coming. The question is, how are we looking going into relegation? Are we going to play? We're going to fight till the end and and go on a high note, or are we just going to stink up the joint all the way through? Right. Uh, that's that's going to be the question. I think I think you're right. I think if we can start playing better ball, make the games a little bit more closer, make it more, give us a little bit better hope for going into next season. I think that's all we can ask for at this point because. Uh, relegation is all about a certainty at this point. I mean, 10 points. I'm, we hope we don't end the season on 10 points, but um, p- performances like that will help go a long way, make this thing a little little less uh, as bad. But, uh, yeah, it's um, 
it was it was nice to see him back for sure and, and for nostalgia as well you know uh, definitely a fan favorite one of the one of the best strikers that we've had in, in our in our history in terms of goal output as well and uh you know what and like when when people made a made a poor decision in the final third or like didn't give him the ball when he thought he was tearing into people and i was totally okay with that because yep. the team i mean the team probably needs a little bit of that like somebody who's yeah. experienced who knows what they're talking about who has the kind of you know football IQ that maybe some of the younger kids don't at this point in time, like trying to actively coach, you know, in those moments and, yep. and point these things out, I think is probably useful for us. Um, one other player I wanted to mention real quickly is the larger Schalke community finally going to like agree with us on our Suat Serdar takes that this guy is, is uh, like substantially below what he's capable of and has been for quite a while. He yep. was horrible in this game. Yeah. This man gets caught on the ball. In giveaways absurd amount. And, oh I mean, goodness. like the number of times he receives the pass, and there's a teammate who's open in, in his field of vision that he could play a one-touch pass to, or even a first-time pass to, or whatever. And instead, he like pirouettes and tries to shield the ball from two defenders and just gets pushed off immediately. I mean, yeah. absolutely absurd. I mean, people can talk about. I mean, I know that like you know Harit and Sarah are like these fan favorites with a lot of people, but like. I mean, hey, maybe we'll be able to hold on to. Him. I don't know if there's, there's going to be you know other teams that are going to want to take this guy on right now with how he's playing. Yeah. So I mean. And I, yeah, I, a lot of blame to go around this entire season, but um, I thought that was because you know Harit was okay in this one. Yeah, Harit was active. I mean, made some mistakes yeah. and, and you know made a Rabona pass in transition that was completely unnecessary. And, <laughs> like you know, like which is playing. I gotta I gotta step it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you're like all right, man. But like, but yeah, I mean, Serdar. I mean, you, you just expect more from him. He's 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 not young anymore. He's experienced at this point, and we we know what he's capable of because we've seen it, and his performances have been far too substandard this season as well. We've talked about how um, Harit's performances, his confidence maybe has been knocked, but I think Suarez's confidence is even worse than worse off than where Harit is. Um, I think Harit, Harit's going to do well to have Huntelar in the starting lineup with him because that also give him confidence. He'll you know where he thinks a player should be should go with his passes. He'll actually be there and stuff like that. And you know to go with your comment about you know. Uh, Huntelar tearing into the defense. You know, it's one thing to have Hoppy do it, and not that Hoppy was wrong. I think Hoppy was doing, it, but you know, if, if Hoppy's the one, you know, yelling at people, there's gonna be like in, in one year, out the other year, it's like, okay, young kid, be quiet, be quiet. Even though he may be right, 100 percent in what he's saying. Huntelar says you're like, okay, I gotta listen to him because this guy's been around the block. He knows what he's talking about. Maybe I should really listen to what he's saying. You know, so it goes a little bit like that. Um, uh, Dirk is in the house from Alberta. Look at that. Chalka Canada in the house. I love this too. Glenn's in here too. He said uh, he actually got dummied in front of our box when we got stripped of the ball. Just like that was bad. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think um, Huntar, hopefully he can stay fit here and, and he'll at least get a majority of the pitch time going forward because um, it'll only do well for the club, I think. I think we play better when he's in there. Uh, not take away from anybody else. I th- the rest of the team needs to step up, honestly. And it wouldn't matter what striker we have in there, but at the moment, Huntar is our best option. Hey, Bossy, back, by the way. He is. He's on the bench. He was on the bench. I love seeing that. No, he made a cameo as well. I missed that. I must have. Yeah, he, came, at that he point. came on. I think he came on like 75th. I think he was on the field for the goal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. So he at least got a little bit of a run out. So that was good to see, too, because he's another guy that, once again, we, we bring in somebody that we think can help us out, and he's been missing for quite a while now. So not able to make the impact. Yeah, and I'm curious to see who stays with him next year and who doesn't, right? Uh, it's going to be an interesting thing, um, which I think segues perfectly not to, you know, to get off of the game. Unless there's something else we want to talk about the game before we move on? No. All right, perfect, because it was a heartbreaking game to every game, right? Every game these days. Uh, but what you know was became official uh, during the break was that Peter Knobel is our new sporting director, much to the demise of people who were hoping for the uh, Ranyak news, right? Um, it's funny because I feel, I feel two different ways about this. One... 
uh, feel not upset, but you know, down that it wasn't Ranyik, but also too. Before this Ranyik news even came up, you told me Peter Canabo was going to be a sporting director. I would have been like, hell yeah, that's great. That's great. That's a good good decision. So, uh, you know, it's a bittersweet, I guess, for me. Um, what, what is your thoughts on the news that he's officially the sporting director going into next season? Not, not negative, but what I'll say is it, it didn't cause me to break my, like, Schalke-less tweeting period of the international break. Like I didn't, I yeah. didn't comment on it at all. And here's so here's the thing. I think I think most Schalke supporters, at least a lot of them that I've seen, are probably somewhat more in line with you. Like they have a, a relatively positive opinion about Peter Knabel. They're not upset about right. about, and, and it's possible this, he could do a good job. But given all the Ragnar conversation and the extent to which the fan base feels like we need outside influence, we need people from outside the club situation who are competent to come in and change the culture and fix some things outside perspective. When you're when you ultimately resort to promoting from within, it just gives the appearance that you're incapable of attracting talent right now, yeah. um, because so many fans want that. Like, I mean, in, in, I'm not saying that he isn't capable of doing the job or hasn't even potentially earned it by some of the things he's done. Um, I, I'm not trying to like hate on him right off off the gates or anything like that. And you know, with, with all these things, I think you and I are always like, hey, let's keep an open mind, see how it goes, and that's totally fine by me. But um, you know, t- to go from actively pursuing you know somebody with the high profile of Ragnick. Or you know, or others as well, and then to have the press release ultimately be, yeah, you know, it's you know this guy stepping into that role because you know Jens booked to the supervisory board, some of whom aren't even elected. You know, it's it's difficult to get super super excited about it. Um, and I think it's it is it is a little bit of a letdown based on what we were potentially hoping for, but it is what it is now. I'm on board. Hope it goes well, and and we go into the summer, you know, looking to see what you know what kind of moves he's capable of making to help us out. Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, if you if you were to hire from within, that is the guy you do want to to to, to get the promotion. Like you said, I think he he probably is deserving of that. And I think, you know, this may have been the direction that Bukta was going to lean the whole the whole time anyway. And then someone threw in that wild card of Ranyak and kind of threw things askew. And so maybe that's what this maybe this is like exactly where Bukta was going. Someone threw in that you know, that 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 firebomb, that grenade of Ranyak, and you're like, okay, well, we got to entertain it now because it's going to be thrown in our face. Didn't pan out, and now I was like, okay, well, now it does. Like, like you said, we didn't didn't look like we could, you know, hire someone that was capable of leading this team. Because I agree with you, I think the team does need a, a, a Ranić type who's gonna, um, you know, have a different vision from the outside and and change things up. But uh, you know, maybe this maybe Canabo thing will work out. I mean, I was I was certainly pro Canabo before the whole Ranić thing came out, and then obviously when when the news Ranić came out, I was like, okay, I, I this is exactly what we need. You know, we talked about it many times. But so ultimately, I'm like, I'm okay with it. Um, what did come also from this is that, you know, Canabo is the one who hired Gramosis. Uh, and what we found out also during the break is Gramosis is officially going to be the, the manager moving into next season as well. Uh, we kind of figured this was going to happen when, you know, before we had hired because you're going to, why would you bring in someone for a short term and then not have them going into next season, right? Because uh, it, it could go several ways. Um, I mean, given he's only earned, what, one point in the however many games he's been managing so far, you still, at least he's going to taste of what the team is like now, and he knows, he, hopefully he'll know exactly what the team needs to strengthen going into next season into this fight, the Bundesliga. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on the news? I guess it wasn't a, too surprising to hear that Gramosi will be the man uh, going forward for, for Schalke in terms of manager. I mean, if... if- Peter Knobel is the sporting director, and he's the one that brought him in. That it's not surprising in that you know sense that he's going to give him more time. Um, and and we all knew that you know Grimatzis' job probably wasn't 
particularly dependent on his results, you know, as we finish up the season here, um, given the results that we had seen previously from other coaches anyway. I mean, like, we know that he, when he signed on for the job, he knows that he's probably taking this club into this fight at Bundesliga. So yeah. Yeah. Um, having that continuity might not be a bad thing. Um, and, uh, you know, despite obviously some still pretty horrible performances under Gramatzis, this this performance, this most recent one under under Leverkusen, I do think was was a step in the right direction, whatever that means for us in this situation. And uh, hey, you know, it's it's what have you done for me lately? So today I'm slightly more optimistic about you know, <laughs> what he's potentially able of accomplishing in this fight of Bundesliga. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I think uh, the 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 one the best sign I've seen from him about is that he's been willing to play the younger players, right? Uh, that's what we've been talking about all season long. Is play the young guys. If, if they're the ones who are going to have more heart than the, than the guys who have been there for a while, do that, right? Uh, I'm looking at some of the comments here. Uh, Garrett says, uh, seven wins in seven games. We've got Uth and Sané coming back. Hunter and Harit are in form. Fairman is a keeper. Shof, uh, bench Shof and Stambouli and play the young guns. Glukov. Uh, I, okay, I go with that. And then Glenn says, uh, during the halftime break, our Canadian outlet showed a discussion about youth in the Bundesliga and Ralph Ryan was one of the breaking down the youth kids. LOL. Yeah, that's... Uh, what could have been? What could have been? What, what could have been? been? Uh, speaking of what could have been, um, <laughs> I was reading an article um, many moons ago, it seems like, when we were in the discussion, uh, the potential of Robin Gossens, uh, uh from uh, a German player who plays for Atalanta. There was news about him, you know, Schalke being his favorite club and wanting to come join Schalke. And so we got into details about what happened with that and why it didn't go through. Uh, Robin Gossens goes into saying that, uh, you know, Schalke... He negotiated a deal with, with Schalke. Uh, we came to terms with him and, and Atalanta. Ultimately, the selling fee was what, what uh, became a demise because Atalanta didn't really want to sell Robin Golsons, especially not for cheap. Schalke obviously trying to do what they can with what little money they have, especially with the 250 million euro debt they have. It's hard to spend much money, and he's easily a 35 million euro player a year or uh, uh, purchase, if not more. Uh, with what he's doing with Atalanta, and so Schalke weren't able to meet Atalanta's demands. Atalanta are not going to let him go by any stretch, and so that's really why it fell apart. He was hoping to come back to Schalke, despite how what kind of form they were in. This is his boyhood club. He wanted to be back in Germany and play, but you know, like, life is good for him in Atalanta. Atalanta, fun place to play. They they know how to play football there. But you know, what could have been, as you mentioned, uh, having Robin Gossens uh, in that left left back position. Uh, you know, him serving Huntelaar, I mean, that would have been a really good combination. And, and oh, by the way, Gosens as a left back has 10 goals, 7 assists this season. I think he had a little bit more last year. So, uh, fine player there uh, who's going to be good for D Manshaft, who lost to the University of North Macedonia this uh, during this international break. So, not perennial, too good for them. Perennial powerhouse. Man. Perennial powerhouse, that's right. Uh, didn't he make the NIT, I don't think, right? Um, no, no. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, any comments? This is, this is very much like your DeSanto in a way like this this is this, this is the thing that you can't let go like, like the fact that Goss is did get, but like as somebody sure. who follows Serie A as closely as you do I think I mean you were maybe not like uniquely positioned but to understand you know why that Schalke move could have been a very good thing for us and, and you yeah. were advocating for it at the time and I think right right rightly so yeah. um especially when you consider how much of a problem position um our, our fullbacks have been for us particularly the left back position um over the past even five seasons, really. I mean, not that we were talking about Ghosts as, as far back as then, but um, it, it could have saved us some headaches and maybe even changed the direction of the team to some extent if we had been able to secure a player um, like that because he certainly is one of the best in his position in Europe. Uh, and, 
yeah, it's another <laughs> what could have been once again, two segments in a row. But yeah. <sighs> what could have been? What could have been? Um, well, let's end this podcast on a uplifting note, I guess. Um, as the uh, topic board says, America's got talent. Uh, so the some news came up also over the international break. Um, where FC Chalkamulfia and International Soccer Academy in the U.S. are going to launch this unequaled opportunity for American America's talented players. Uh, so basically, this is a ca- an opportunity for uh, American players born in 2003-2004 to uh, take their talents over to uh, Gelson Kirshen with the Academy of the Knappenschmiede and train exclusively with the Schalke players uh, and get their opportunity to break into the Bundesliga that way, I think. Uh, Schalke has noticed that their, the talent coming out of the U.S. has grown immensely over the last couple of years. A lot of names spreading up throughout Europe, not only the Bundesliga, but throughout Europe. I mean, Barcelona's got some American players as well, and they're, they're all over the place. And so they notice that there is a talent pool growing in the U.S., and this is their way of you know dipping into that pool and and you know, using this international uh, football academy to to lure these players into the Schalke academies and really grow them that way. And, you know, that's not a bad thinking to do with uh, us going to fight the Bundesliga where we can't spend money on players. We really need to start developing our homegrown players or, or just our younger players to our academy. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with this because, you know, I do want to see the American, as, as American fans, U.S. men's national teams, we want to see the players get better and we also want to see them at Schalke, right? Uh, we've had Weston McCain. We've had lots of names come through the ranks through the years. And so I'm really okay with this this is a really good deal i think to to link up with the with the uh, american fan base and then uh yeah what are your thoughts on on this move here this news that came out uh doom and gloom over the uh the failure to qualify for the olympics again for the oh for my the, god uh, i was trying not to bring it up <laughs> on, on, the, on the men on the men's side of the equation um that aside i mean obviously the the growth of um the talent in, in the player pool for the men's team on the senior level has has happened pretty rapidly um, over the past couple of years. Like you know, where where this team was shortly after failing to qualify for the World Cup to where they are now. You know, watching them play. Uh, you know, e- even if it's just Concacaf opponents like Jamaica, um, we got some ballers on that U.S. men's national team. And so yeah, it's not surprising that 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 clubs are continuing to uh, increase their investment and involvement in in what's going on um, over here domestically. And of course. This is Schalke America. So if we're talking about an American pipeline to Schalke, I mean, of course, we're going to support that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a nice little bit of news to hear. If any of your kids need agents, uh, Jack and I are available uh, for a little fee, ten percent. That's all. Um, <laughs> no, okay, cool. Um, Glenn does have a question. Hey, hey, go Rich, ahead. And I, Rich and I promise that we will not convince you to go to Bayern Munich before you're ready. Correct. Yeah, Correct. That, that, or for bring, free. Or for free. Yeah, that's what we can bring to the table as agents. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure. We'll make sure that after you play three months of games as a twenty-year-old, that we don't immediately send you somewhere where you're not. Yeah. Unless your value doubles. Yeah. <laughs> as a question from Glenn in the chat, he says, uh, "Do you think Juve will make the Champions League as a deal for McKenny as extra money for us on the transfer? Uh, will this deal end up being us getting less money now?" Um, I still think, you know, since I do I do watch a lot of Syria, I do think Juventus are going to make Champions League ever so slightly. They've it's struggling for them. Uh, they're in the fourth position right now, the last the last Champions League spot. So uh, hopefully they do keep it because that would be extra money for us, and we'll take all the money we can get to. Didn't we keep- already miss out on like a million dollar bonus because of how? far they didn't advance this year 
Yeah. I thought I just saw something recently, like the, because of when they got knocked out, we lost on more money out of that, which we thought was yeah. a lock based yeah. on how good Juventus typically is. Yeah, I mean, and if, if and if they don't make the Champions League, yes, we'll lose some money, but I think uh, we're still getting money off the profit off the deal as yeah. as much money as we would like. Hell no, but um, it's better than yeah. nothing, I guess. In so. like what, like installments over three seasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that, and with the Kabak deal, same same deal. Does right? they really have like liquidity problems like that? I didn't know that. No, they're just smarter. <laughs> I'll edit this out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, okay. Anything else uh, you want to chat about before we wrap this bad boy up? Nah, man. 15 minutes to the national championship game. Yeah, it's a For, big game. I actually watched the game, the, the buzzer beater, the other night. So I missed the women's game last night. I really wish I, I really wanted to watch it, actually. And uh, yeah. so I'll watch it tonight. A couple, couple good games on both sides of the, uh, yeah. the equation the last last weekend so yeah absolutely so um yeah that'll wrap this bad boy up here then um keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the royal blues uh we'd like to thank shaka for providing us tidbits for our podcast today uh if there are any topics you would like us to discuss uh, let us know at shock america on twitter or instagram uh jack any shout outs tonight you want to give out no i'll give a <laughs> sh- i'll give out one shout out to the university of north macedonia there you go. Powerhouse, perennial powerhouse. I'm gonna give a shout out to Shaka Canada and all the all the, all the people in the chat tonight. Uh, Canada's in the house representing. I love it. I love it. All right, Jack. Uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At J M Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Very good. As always, you can follow me at R underscore Shaka. You can follow me Shaka Jesus at Shaka Jesus. No, at R underscore K H A R M A N. Uh, Until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoos.